0: Hello there, my name's Phil Williams and I'd like to welcome
1: you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk.
0: For this particular interview, I'm handing over completely to Graham Pullen, out on a day's fishing with Wayne Comben from his eastern Solent base of Langstone Harbour.
1: Like Graham, Wayne fishes from a Wilson flyer. So, besides taking an in depth look at the fishing tactics and marks around the Nab Tower and Selsey Bill, the Purr will also be taking a good look at Wayne's setup, which he keeps at the Eastney Cruising Association compound at Langstone Harbour.
0: Well, we're here off the Eastern Solent doing a live interview with Wayne Comben, who's got a 17 foot Wilson flyer. And it's going to be a bit noisy, a bit slappy. You might hear the odd uh, reel take off. Uh, we're actually fishing out here in the middle of October which is one of Wayne's favorite times and we've been fishing outside at a Wayne had a small uh, smooth hand out. Then we've come inside to one of his special marks. Now he specialises in doing a lot of his own research rather than going where the crowd goes and goes off on his own and actually fishes alone quite a bit. And has had a really good success. Now that success just rubbed off in the shape of a nice 14 pound cob for me, which I thought was about 18 pounds because I haven't seen one with that big head for such a long time. In fact, the nearest biggest head I think would have been mine because I was really pleased with that. So it shows Wayne knows his marks. So uh, you're going to hear a bit of wind noise, a bit of boat slapping because we're out anchored on one of his little special marks. So Wayne, give us a bit of a history on uh, how you actually got into this fishing, because I know you're local to the area. I've always enjoyed fishing. Uh, I used to fish with a cousin
1: of mine who was uh, a few years older than me, and uh, he had a small, only a little dinghy, maybe 10, 12 foot at the most, and we used to go into Langston Harbour, mark off Farlington Marshes. I think they used to call it Chalky Lake, something like that. Um, but it was a fantastic flounder, Mark. You you, you couldn't, you know, you, You'd be uh, you'd do well not to catch him, put it that way. It was a uh, it was a lovely lovely mark for a young lad, and um, I just yeah you know, that was that was uh, the initial my initial love of fishing and, and in particular boat fishing. Um, but as my, my cousin also, uh, he used to hunt, shoot and fish. I also got into hunting and shooting a little bit with him and uh, for a number of years I I, I basically hunted with dogs rather than than fished, but I still got out when I could on boats. came to a certain point point, I thought, you know, I I had a dog that got a bit, a terrier that got a little bit old and I thought, right, I'm not getting any more dogs now, I'm really going to put more into my my sea fishing and uh, my boat fishing in particular. And I was quite fortunate one of my friends had a, an old rib, a real, real old rib as well. Um, about sort of 19 foot with a, an old 90 on the back. And uh, we, uh, we, we got to quite some, some marks of the nab and, and salesy way. Uh, so we got out quite a bit and we, we were lucky enough to find, and it was by luck, because he, he didn't even have an anchor on this rib <laughs> that tells you what our fishing was like at the time but so what we used to do was find a, a pot boy um off salesy and at the time there used to be a a number of them and we spoke to one of the potters and he, he told us he said yeah that's no problem tie off to that one uh, you know it's a pot and i haven't got a problem with that and uh oh, oh got a fish a, a, on hang on a on, got a fish on i think you can hear that reel going <laughs>
0: i think you're near <laughs> that <real going. laughs> Just gonna lock him up and strike. <laughs> oh, I think he's on. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> we just lost one other than the uh, one I had before. I'll put some small hooks down. Hopefully this one won't come off and I lost another one, another big fish of one of Wayne's secret marks. I just hope this mark. Stay secret, Wayne, I don't know what this is. It's definitely not a dogfish.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, people tend to go past you and if they, they recognise the boat and they know you've had a good time catching fish, there are a lot of people that, rather than look for marks of their own, they'll, they'll come up to you, even though they don't anchor next to the fish, all they do is they'll, they'll come along close enough, plot, plot the mark in their chart plotter and then shoot off and come back and fish it another time. And Nothing you can do about it, I know, I realise that. But it's a it's a bit naughty when you've done the work and and, and it has been there's a lot of work. I mean I've had this boat now for six years, and before that as I say I fished on my mate's boat for um, a good sort of uh, eight or nine years before pr- prior to that, and. Uh,
0: what do you reckon this is then? What, are, Any what do I reckon that is. I'm still fighting the fish. By the way, we're not doing this. Uh, <laughs> this is a really live fish, and you got a bite on that left hand one. Bro. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, I mean, this
1: is. Uh, oh well, I'm not being embarrassing here. Uh, unless it, unless it takes line, I'm not too worried. It's probably a dog tapping away
0: on mine, but. Um, does is that, is that make you a good skipper, putting the uh, guest on the fish? Right, no, there's no, there's no question, uh, this is a nice fish here, Wayne. I just hope it stays on long enough so okay. we can have a look at it. Well, And uh, our fingers crossed it's a nice big cod, because uh, you're, you're, my wife would say that you're, you're pretty open on uh, your forums, you know, I know you do a lot of your own work finding the marks and stuff, but you are you know you're very helpful to other people as well, and do you find there are quite a few angles like that in the eastern Solent area or are they all a bit secretive? Um, t- if, well if I'm
1: honest I can only speak from experience and uh, Well big a ray, a nice ray. Quite a nice ray. I'm going to get the net so bear well, with me we'll, for a we'll, moment. We'll switch you off for a second and
0: we'll, we've got a nice thornback ray here and we'll okay. try to get a picture and uh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll be back to you. Alright, no worries. Well we got that uh, fish, turned out to be a, a male thornback ray about 5-6 pounds Uh, Wayne also um, lost a cod on the other rod as well, so we're back to the uh, interview now. Uh, Wayne, you're talking about you uh, hunting with these uh, hunting dogs. Tell us a bit more about those because I I understand you used to do a bit of writing as well.
1: Yeah, um, terriers basically. Uh, I I, I had a very, very good border terrier dog. Um, He actually had a working certificate with a a Welsh foxhound pack. Um, Went down there for a couple of seasons and and worked him uh, on foxes. And he was a very good, very game dog. And I I also uh, was fortunate enough to get a Fell Terrier, which is uh, a bit bit from the Lakeland Districts, Um, and again, he he was another exceptional dog, Uh, but there there just came a time when... um, yeah, as I say, when they got a bit old, and I thought, you know, I didn't really want to do it anymore, so I didn't want to get any more dogs because, uh, you know, they're too, you, you get far too attached to animals and uh, they don't live long enough, I'm afraid, that's the problem. But yeah, I, uh, I wrote a few articles for a, a friend of mine who, who had a magazine um, called Earth Dog Running Dog. In fact, it's still still going now, is that I believe. Uh, and I, I think I did about 30, 40 odd articles for him. Um, which he, yeah, he must have thought are okay because uh, I didn't, he didn't change them around. So just, just what you're interested in is a bit, you know, yourself, Graham. If you like, uh, if you like, if you're into something, it's just nice to to tell tell a story of a day out and you know, possibly there's a lot of people that come into a sport and, and want to know these things and and you can maybe tell
0: them a little few pointers about
1: you know handling handling things, foxes and, and the
0: like. Yeah, Wayne. Uh, Going away from that back to the hunting of the fish, which is what we've been out uh, hunting with dogs. We're hunting with squid today, and uh, you know, pretty successful as we stand at the moment. Uh, t- tell us how you actually got into the boat you got now. How did you get in, and uh, what, what pointed you towards this boat? Um, well, as I say,
1: initially I fished from, off my friend's old rib, um, there was nothing wrong with that. I mean, people that say you can't fish off ribs, this is not true. You have to be, th- those, those tubes are a lot stronger than you think, they really are. Obviously, you've got to be a little bit more careful with hooks and, and the like than you would on a, on a normal GRP boat. But um, it was a good fishing platform. The problem was, was very, obviously, you're open to the elements, extremely cold and, uh, you know, and wet as well uh, a lot of the time. Even on, even on a nice day you'd often be soaking wet if you uh, if you travelled out.
0: What sort of fish did you used to catch when you were back in those, uh, in those days weighing? So I imagine obviously like everybody, the fishing's always better years ago than it used to be. What sort of size of fish and what species did you catch back then? Well, as I mentioned earlier, we used to tie off to
1: these pots, these lobster pots, um, so it, it was illegal. No, he didn't even have a fish finder at the time either, so uh, so obviously he didn't have a GPS. Um, but we used to find the pots quite easily, they, they were probably about four, four miles offshore, and um, always, always down in the same sort of area, so uh, we found them. Now, we had... 17 species from the, from this spot so it was a very you know reasonable mix mixed um, mark but in particular what it was great for was smoothouts there was uh, probably a, a, a period of when we first found it f- for a four-year period where we just knew if we hit it, hit there um, this spot you know around about say April, end of April, we would drop into some very nice hounds. And and when I say that nice hounds, we probably didn't realise how, how nice they were. We, we knew they were great fish because they're they so sporting. Um, you were in about 40 odd foot of water. And but we, the, these were you know these were easily high doubles and, and some plenty of 20 plus fish. Um, but also, it was a very good bream mark, and we regularly had £4 pound plus bream as well. Which, you know, I'd, I'd like to get these fish now, and I really would. So, yeah, there is that bit about fishing being better a while ago. Um, in that
0: respect, it was, you know, for the, for the smooth hours and bream, it certainly was. Uh, so, you've got 17 foot we'll, Wilson, we'll you've joined the, the band of the rest of us who so have got one. Uh, What's the sort of pros and cons on these boats? What uh, actually made you uh, take this this particular uh, model? Well, uh, I, I did want a cuddy
1: or a cabin of, of some sort. Um, unfortunately, I've got, I've, I've got a six-foot cabin on this one. It's far too big for a fishing boat. I should have just got a cuddy um, to have had more fishing room on the back, but... Don't, don't take your bird with you when you look for a boat because uh, she looked at that and, and said oh we can go to the Isle of White Cows Week and, and I kind of thought yeah I can overnight in that but the reality is that it, it, I've, not, I've yet to do that, it's the sixth season of, of owning this boat and I've yet to do that so um, I would have had a shorter cuddy but the, the, um, it's mainly the the fact that Obviously, as I say, an unopened boat, you are open to the elements. With this uh, with this Wilson, I've got a, a flying bridge on it as well, which gives you... Uh, I mean, it, we had a wave come over the top of us earlier as we were coming out, and, and basically you stay dry, which, which is very nice. And also, a lot of the time when it turns into the wind, you've, you've got, you sit back um, under this cuddy, you've got protection from that, the cold wind, the rain. It just, for me, it makes a, a, a more pleasurable f- um, fishing
0: platform. Uh, Wayne, what sort of tackle do you use? Because I mean, uh, you get some pretty good fish. Uh, just give us a rundown on, you know, you say what you'd use for the bream and what you use for the uh, heavier stuff, and then running into the cod in the winter.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, if you're talking light fishing, I mean, you use. Uh, I, you, I mean, I personally use sort of what you would call a 12 to 20 pound class rod. Um, I, I know people. A lot of people go even lower than that, and that, that's fine. I, I tend to find um, the, the 12 to 20 pound gives you enough bite detection for things like place and, and you know if you're doing a bit of bream fishing it's absolutely fine um, I, I do tend to use uh, 30 pound braid throughout um, and then I might just put a rubbing leader on if I'm doing some cod fishing I'll obviously up more up my gear to uh, 30 pound class rods at least I've got a couple of 30-50 pound which sounds a bit heavy but they're, they're still quite a thin blank and they've still got quite a bit of nice spike detection on them. Um, and all I do is I put a nice rubbing leader of a sort of 60 pound, about 20 foot of that on. Uh, and I just, not, I nearly always just use a normal uh, running ledger. And for card, a nice 8 O'Shaughnessy. Nice big squid bait on there, and really you don't want much more than that. I know a lot of people use lug worm, black lug, um, and, and they say crab and all sorts of other other bits and pieces, but for my mind,
0: there's, there's nothing better than a than a nice squid bait. Now you fish uh, year round because obviously you've been fishing since a kid, as you say here. Uh, do you have a favourite time of year? Because I know the species change. I mean, as far as I can remember, something like is it January or the win- one of the winter months is bad, and then you got another sort of duff winter month for the uh, weed. Tell us about the uh, say the weed first, because I know they do have a problem down here in the Solent
1: yeah um the weed unfortunately uh, if you get a, um basically the wind conditions can have a big part of what the what, where the weed comes in because basically if it's blowing it in shore, it will blow, the weed comes in with it and, and it can play havoc. and it can a lot of the time that weed can be in for quite a while and there's all sorts of there's there's rafts of all types in it there's a the red puby stuff that really stinks um you, you get some uh, the lace type stuff coming through, and and it can it can basically put pay to the fishing really because it, it just there's such big rafts of it. It once it gets on
0: your line, that's it. It just travels down your line, masks your bait. That's it. No good. And what's the worst, month Because there's a lot of mixed species. Uh, you know from. Well, basically sort of march right through, run us through the season, telling us what species the uh, small boat dinghy angler can expect down here. And here, when we say the Solent, we're talking mostly the eastern Solent, uh, sort of NAB Tower um, across to Selsey uh, Bill area. That seems to be the popular area.
1: Yeah, but um, what it, I'll start with March. And the reason I will start with March is because um, it's u- usually mid-March the place come in. Um, a lot of people would have heard of the Blocks, which is an area um, of submerged submarine defences back in the uh, Second World War they were put in. Um, and it's a very it's a known place mark, and it, and it does produce a lot of place. Uh, I've, I've seen up upwards of ninety boats on that mark. Um, before now, which is you know an awful lot of people fishing there, so it does get hammered. Unfortunately, it's not a huge area, but you're not in deep water there. You can be anything from eight to maybe 20 feet at, at, at most. Um, but it does produce a lot of fish in the sort of one to three pound mark. Um, if you want be- better place, you head up towards Sparselzy, round off the Bogner area, and um, th- there's a few pea mussel beds up that way that, that really do throw up um, some exceptional place. I mean, six pound fish come
0: back from there on, on regular, you know, regularly. Uh, what's uh, there's a sort of changeover period. Um, you get the place, is there a gap or does it just sort of blur into April and May? Because I know May is a good month a sort of taupe and bream. Give us a bit of a breakdown on that. Yeah, as I say, from mid-March you get the uh,
1: the place coming in uh, from those those areas. Also, from, uh, round about that time, sort of uh, uh, end of April, you'll get the, the first hounds come in, you'll get um, uh, sort of. May time, beginning of May, the mackerel are usually in, the hounds are then in as well. So you you get some some nice mixed fishing, you get quite a few rays in shore as well around about that time, Um, and thornbacks in particular, quite a few undulate rays. But it sort of goes into the summer months with the species you would expect, as I say, mackerel, gar, common and starry hounds
0: are are regular in in the Solent. Are the, are the bream all over here, the black bream? Well, I know further down Littlehampton you've got that Kingmere Rocks place I used to fish, but uh, are they all over the place or are they sort of inshore, offshore, where do they get the bulk of the black bream?
1: Um, well there's a few rough ground areas um, that are well known, again Bullock's Patch is a, is a known uh, rough ground area. If you, you just it, What I tend to do is if I'm trotting along slowly I'll have my fish finder on, I'll look at the, the seabed, if I find somewhere that looks a bit reefy. I'll, I'll get as close to that as I can, and I'll, I'll fish it. And it tends to, there's, there's a a lot of bream in the uh, Solent. The the, the the mark of bream, mind has, without a doubt, it's deteriorated in the last few seasons because um, there was a time when you could, you can not guarantee. You can never guarantee anything fishing. I know that, but you could literally say to yourself, in a season, you would pick up a, a four pound plus bream, you know, every year. Well, the last couple of years, not many people have picked up four pound plus bream. Um, so the the, sta- the the stamp of bream seems to have deteriorated. But there are an awful lot of uh, fish around the uh, half pound to pound and a half mark. There, there are still a lot of fish, and they are they're well spread out. You can you've got them from uh, anywhere from Selzy inshore on the rough marks, right the way out to Bullock's Patch and to the Nab. the Nab area still throws up a good
0: bream, uh, even now this time of year, you'll get one or two. Uh, Wayne, I know you also specialise in a bit of ray fishing. You know. You've got a couple of your little uh, new marks you seem to have found. You've had several species in one day. Uh, what's the breakdown on that? Yes,
1: uh, I, there's a an, an particular spot I like this east of the Nab Tower. Um, and in one day there I've had uh, small eyed, spotted, thorn back. And undulate. So I've had four of the main uh, ray species there, So, and, and they tend to be quite a good size of ray as well, a bit, bit better than the initial ones um, on occasion. I mean, you can only generalise that you do ha- occasionally get a, a, a nice size of. Uh, I'm a friend of mine had a, a £20 plus blonde ray quite off an mark but uh, yeah the the, uh, the spot on the east of the the nab there it's uh it tends just it tends to, to shut to throw up a, a nice stamp of ray um you could talk in a regularly 14 15 pound full backs five pounds spotted and uh the undulates again they go up to around about the 15 18
0: pound mark what about these blonde rays i know there's uh, a place around the back of the island they go uh what's well, that autumn time for the blonde Race? what size do they run and how do you fish form and depths and stuff like that
1: yeah that would be the uh one of the well, there's there's a, a number of offshore banks um you're talking pro- probably they start uh, around about the 12 uh, to 20 mile mark sort of distance from the harbor out and uh but what you do is you just find the banks, you you, t- you, you want to be, from what I know of anyway, you want to be uh, anchored up and fishing down the back of a bank. Obviously, if the tide's flowing over the bank, they, they tend to sit in the lee of the... the the tide, and uh, you just drop a, a, a fine sand eel is, is, a, is the bait for the rays. They they it outfishes any other bait by a country mile. But the blondes on there, I um, so the last two trips I've had have produced 20 pound fish. But the, the best I know of that's come up from there was uh, I think it was a 30, 33 pound fish. So. Um, yeah, there's some there's some great fish. Also, uh, some lovely bass come up, double-figure bass come up there regularly. Uh, turbot, brill, occasionally, not not for me, unfortunately, but. Yes, it's a lovely spot, those offshore banks, they really are well worth uh, the
0: effort if if you can get out to them, but only on small tides. As we are going to ask, uh, you get sort of double tide situations up around this area too, which not a lot of anglers would uh, know about, and I certainly don't begin to understand them, but um, what's the the run of uh, fishing for, say, spring tides, neap tides, how do you change between, or do you you just not fish on 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 a big spring?
1: Well, there
0: is a rule of thumb for
1: fishing the Solent, and that is uh, the the smaller tides you push out and the bigger tides you stay in. Um, Now by that I mean I usually use the nab tower as a mark, and what I would say is if it's uh, anything that's 4.6 and under we will stay north the nab. If, it's, uh, if it gets smaller than that and, and you're able and the, the conditions will allow obviously the wind conditions are a, a major impact on, on the sea conditions. If you can push out though beyond, uh, beyond the Nab tower on the smaller tides, then that's what you do. but the, the banks are very often are only fishable on, on a, a, a smaller than a, than a, a, a four meter tide, which um, there's not too many of them in a year that come round.
0: Well, you're sort of—I uh, think I heard you called the cob man or something because uh, your proficiency at finding cod when other people don't. Now, I know a lot of those obviously do catch cod through the southern, but catching them with any regularity and getting decent-sized ones—not uh, what it was say 20, 25 years ago, or even more. We're not about to give your marks away because I mean you do a lot of work yourself, so understandably you want a, a little bit of good fishing to yourself. Uh, just give us a run. When would you—when would you say start cod fishing, and when would it sort of tail off? And, and how would you rig up bait? etc like that okay well <laughs> I've been called a lot of things uh, <laughs> Coman's one of
1: the most the more f- uh, favorable ones I-, I will say no a fella called me that this morning actually the only reason that they called me that was because last season I, I-, I came back a few times with-, with a freezer box with some nice cod in it and um, and a few of the other boats were blanking but again that's that's because I-, I happened to find a mark that-, that that fished well for them you know it was one of the- it wasn't it wasn't a mark that people would have looked at for cod fishing, to be honest with you, because it, it's we're only in 40 feet of water, and uh, a lot of them wanted to push it out deeper than that. And, and you know, I mean, rightly so as well. A lot of the time, it's where the cod are. As for times um, now, really, which is uh, as we're speaking, it's it's mid-October. Any time from now onwards, once that weather starts getting cold and, and the frosts start hitting in, then uh, it's,
0: you want to be out here really. Uh, Wayne, you don't have any problem going on yourself. I mean, most of us have trials and tribulations just launching a bloody boat uh, with two of us doing it, and I understand you do it on your own, that's how I actually picked up on you, was looking at one of the forums, and I saw this guy going out with a Wilson, which obviously I was interested in having got one myself, and you had a blinding day's fishing out there, all fishing on your own in the middle of winter. Tell us a bit about that and what you caught. Okay, yeah, no, it was a it was a cracking day last year. Um, as for the launch on my own, it's it's
1: difficult. There's no two ways about it. I had a lot of time off. I was fortunate enough in in that I, I at the time, if I if I worked for two weeks, I managed to have two weeks off, so I had plenty of time to get out on the boat. The downside of that was I didn't have anyone to go with, so it, if I didn't go out on my own, I didn't get out. So what I did was I. I all I basically brought the boat down the slipway on the trailer used to uh, slip it off myself, and I'd throw out two anchors. Basically, I've got a five kilogram Bruce, which is my main anchor, I'd, I'd chuck that out on the bow, um, and I've got another uh, grapnel, five kilogram grapnel, which with a shorter bit of rope on it. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll basically Set the boat in in the, so it's sitting in the tide as well as I can, um, and I'll put that one aft on one of the cleats. Throw it out, and, and I'll, it, sometimes it takes two or three times just to get the boat sitting well. But once it's sitting, it's sitting and, and you think yourself it's not going anywhere, I then got to get
0: the trailer back to my space. Um, now. Yeah. Now we had a little knot on the bite there. i was not sure you are going to get a take or not because uh, I'm still looking for a, another cod here. There's always a chance. Now, uh, when you say you go everything nice and snug, way, that's not quite truthful, is it? Because you did have a, you did have a bit of a mishap. You were telling me about. Tell us about that because I find it quite interesting, if not uh, a bit scary. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to sort of
1: anchor like that, then you kind of have to understand that, that there could occasionally be a mishap. Obviously, I'd prefer somebody to be uh, wearing waders holding my boat for me but if you're on your own then that's not the case so i think it was probably my fault what i did was i didn't let out enough uh, i didn't pay out up enough rope um obviously i've got my uh, length of chain on my main anchor um but I I, I I didn't pay up any rope either and what happened although i had both anchors out i think uh, while i was taking the trailer back a, a large um, dredger or something similar It'd come through the channel too quickly it's a 10 knot speed limit they don't they ignore that created a bit of a bit well some sort of what about wave and I, I have a feeling it picked my anchors up because by the time i would got back to the boat i thought well that's a bit further out than it was when i first uh, first left it and i soon realized it was on its way um in the run of the tide heading in, into the uh, langston harbour so i thought nothing for it it was i think it was a Around about April time, so it wasn't very warm, but it was a pleasant enough day. So I stripped down to my boxers. Um, Again, I wouldn't recommend this for for a lot of people because the water was cold, and the shop that you know, I I knew what to expect a lot, but the water was still cold. Um, But yeah, I swam after my boat, uh, climbed up on the on the leg on the on the cavitation plate on the uh, on the back of the lump, which is easy enough to do, and I, I got on the boat easily. dropped the anchor down again and then realised left the keys to the boat in the trouser pocket that I'd left on the shore. <laughs> oh, no. So uh, I, I was just preparing myself for the swim back when some kindly soul in a little dinghy said, I'll, I'll row them out to you mate, don't worry. So, yeah, lesson learned. Um, it's not happened since, but it, it, I think it's a wise move to, to have also a long, I think they call it a painter, a long rope uh, on your bow and it's tied off somewhere on sh- sh- on shore. I think really that's the that's the safest way to do
0: that. Okay, Wayne. So um, I'm really impressed with this mark here. I'm really impressed with this. But this is, I understand, the mark. You had that uh, pretty uh, exciting catch from fishing on your own Hazen thread. What exactly did you get that day? Well,
1: it was a it was a real big swell that, um, that day. It wasn't a bad day of float mine. It was it was. Pretty pretty calm on on the surface. It's just um, big rollers coming through. But yeah, I think the body started from the off that day. There was pout and the usual sort of dogfish and bits and bobs. Uh, just, sat, just just distracted slightly there because we had another nod on one of the rods. Um, yeah, usual bits and pieces. A few a few smaller thornbacks. I think I had and uh, quite early doors. Uh, a codling come in about four pounds. So I, I, I basically I T-barred it off the side. Um, unfortunately it just floated off, which, uh, which was a bit disconcerting because I thought look, you know, I'd, rather have, I'd rather have had a couple of small fillets than, than see the fish float off, but I had the best intentions of letting it go. Um, and Then about half an hour after that, I, I, two, I was fishing four rods out that day, um, two of them started bouncing quite close to each other, so I, I weighed up which one looked like it was bouncing a bit more than the other and uh, bought in a, a cod, I think it was about um, ten pounds. And the other one had a 12-pound cod on it, so I thought this is this is not bad at all. And then a, a conger came up. Uh, I actually netted him and brought him up, and thought try to weigh him. Uh, he, he was bouncing between sort of 25 and 35, so I gu- 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 guessed made him at about 30 pounds. But he uh, he was weighing me up a bit, so I thought well I'll get him back in the water as quick as I can. So I flipped him in, and I, I thought he'd, he'd taken the uh, the squid, which they 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 do. But what what I'd found. Uh, was happening that day, there was a, a lot of pout and what they were doing, they were pecking the, the bait away and uh, eventually one of them was getting sort of hooked up on, a, on an 8-0, probably you know, lip hooked and what the congers were then coming out and basically having a, a field day on them and I finished the day with uh, f- five congers, and funny enough they, they were all progressively getting bigger from... From the 30-pound one, and the the last one of the day was turned out to be the last fish of the day, was easily double and and some of the, of the first fish. And uh, I was I was tired because I'd also in between that I'd, I'd managed to get a 19-pound three cod in, which uh, was particularly nice, was lovely fish that was. And I think I, I let I I popped back another another cod as it happened, but another, another one weighed about eight pound, and I flipped him back in. He, he was already swung away. But the uh, the last conger of the day when he came in, he, he, he didn't come. He came up quite quite easily actually. He, he was in the tide behind the boat, and um, I was I reeled him in. And, but he, as soon as he got to the side of the boat, he, he just absolutely went flipped, tail slapped, and just went straight down 40 feet to the bottom. Couldn't stop him, and I've got the drag out quite a lot as well. And uh, I, I got him near the surface again, and I, I, I eventually just snapped me off. But. Um, I wasn't too fast. I, I, I wasn't going to get him in the boat. I was, was going to try to get a picture of him at the side of the boat. But yeah, it was a, it was a very, it was a, a great day really. As I, it was fishing from start to finish. As I said, the, the best cod was 19 pound three. The best conger, a good estimate, a, a conservative estimate was uh, you know 60 plus. And, uh, as I say, uh, then I had to get the boat back in on my own in the swell. So, all in all, it
0: was it was a cracking day, tiring, but wouldn't have swatted for the world. Uh, Wayne, I know you're uh, big into the boat, obviously you look after his immaculate, uh, six years old it's still on. Now, you go out in this cold weather on your own a lot, uh, obviously wear a flotation suit and that. You mentioned something to me uh, on the way about you know washing the ice in the jet on your engine. Can you uh, tell folks what happened there in case they run across that problem?
1: Yeah, well, on the real, real cold days, um, obviously I, I, I come down and uh, slip the boat off the trailer, and then I, I search in deep enough water for me to drop the leg in and fire the engine up. Well, there are there have been occasions when, just quite frankly, the. It, everything's iced up, and you don't get a, f- a flow of water. And because they're water cooled, it's yeah, you know, it's vital really that you, that you you get water coming through that engine. Um, and there's been one or two occasions when I very nearly didn't get out because uh, it, it it took me a, a mere while to get the water flowing. But um, I may have to look into that uh, later in the uh, when it gets a bit colder than now. But I might have to just wrap maybe wrap something insulate that prop a little bit because it's, it's not something you want to be doing. You don't want to be running in one of these water cooled engines. It doesn't take long. Long at all before you do some serious damage. Um, if you don't have that cooling going through, the the one good thing I have on mine is it's got an alarm and it's uh, one of the alarms is temperature. So should the engine basically before any damage is done, I will get an alarm telling me that you
0: know that, that the engine is beginning to overheat. Uh, Wayne, I'm just looking here while we're waiting for this legendary cod that's going to come. Hopefully it's going to come to your rod. I'm looking at the auxiliary bracket on the back, which I know you've adjusted. It's the same as I've got. I've probably got to do the same with mine. Just tell me, what is your idea on... Oh, hang on, we've got another bite on the left-hand rod. Looks like it might be a doggy bite, so we'll... It's uh, we'll yeah, yes. not bouncing enough. Not bouncing enough for cod. Um, what's your view on auxiliaries? I understand you talked to the RNLI about that, or was it the inshore lifeboats, and uh, they had a view on, you know, whether to or whether not having auxiliaries. Yeah,
1: I mean, obviously, if you, you you really should have an auxiliary because if if they just get you out of a bit of trouble, um, you know, it, it, I think the wise move is to have one. The problem being, I've got a, a, a 60 uh, four horse Johnson on the back of mine, um, four stroke, I should say, uh, Johnson on the back of mine. Um, my auxiliary is a is a four horse four stroke. Now. If you're in a big tide and you're right out, uh, there's a possibility that it's not going to get you back in anyway, really, because, you know, you, you've got it all to do to, to get your boat um, through, through a strong current um, with, with that size of uh, engine on it. So, uh, I mentioned this to uh, one of the RNLI fellas that came out and did a sea check on me, and he, he was surprisingly good. He basically said, um, you know, if you, if you ever do get stuck out there, you to get a breakdown, he said, you know, call us, that's what we're here for. Um, you know, obviously, I, you, know, you don't ever want to call someone if you can help it, and that's why, I, you know, you're having an auxiliary. Um, but it is, it is bear, worth bearing in mind that there will be times that, that I, you know, fortunately I haven't had to, had to use it yet, but there will probably come a time when I, when I have to use it. If, and um, I, I just hope it's got the guts to, to you know, to get me in,
0: because um, some of the currents in the Solent are, are, are big. Uh, Wayne, another th- point you told me about, because I've got the, f- the same Wilson, but I've got the one with the uh, with the forward cuddy. I think you were saying, did you reinforce the cabin roof, which is a bit thin on a GRP or something like that? You said, yeah, anglers, you know, make sure you don't sit on those. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's a Wilson flyer. Um, they're built locally by a fella in uh, Bedhampton in uh, Hampshire. Uh, to be fair, they're not the the, the best finished boats you're you're going to see, but then again, they're they're a very reasonably priced boat. Um, and they, okay, they slam, but dories do slam. Um, but in, in in all, I'm I'm very very happy with the boat. It, it gets me fishing, it gets me out. It's it's a reasonably stable platform. It's it's in fact it's a lot more stable than some uh, some other boats I've been on that have cost a lot more money and, and are supposedly a lot more stable. But so so, it holds me in, in a
0: you know it, it gives me a nice fishing platform which is which is what I want. what was it you did with the cabin up the front there uh, Wayne, did you have to reinforce it that roof yeah well the, the fellow
1: who uh, I bought the boat off he what he wanted to do he was basically wanting to put packages together and this was the first one that he had um built by by Wilson, but he had it all to do to get uh, to get Wilson to actually uh, uh, do some some little bits and pieces on it. That, the, the 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 bloke thought needed doing, and one of them was the fact that I've got a six-foot cabin. obviously it's quite a large area there. Um, they can flex quite a lot. I mean, they, they really can flex badly. So he, he got Wilson to put a couple of extra reinforcing um, sort of s- s- bits across the uh, across the cabin, across the roof, which is which is superb really, because it, it's given that it makes it much more rigid. And I mean, you, you can you, you can stand on it if you if you want. Um, I have done in fact quite a few times but I wouldn't recommend it too often but it, it certainly just strengthens it right up and the other thing I will say, check your windows if you ever buy a Wilson, they're, they're only held in by rubbers and I'm not the first person to have uh, had leaks from new um, and what I've done is I've got some 13 uh, mil acrylic windows Luckily a friend of mine works in a place, so I've got them very, very cheaply, otherwise they'll cost you an arm and a leg, but what I've done is I've, I've, I've cut them oversized and bottled them straight on, so that has given me a, a lot of rigidity on that front end as well, so uh, I'd advise anyone to check that their windows really, because on a big C, they, they, they can get punched through as well, so
0: I'd watch that. Uh, Wayne, I know you've got, I mean with my one I just uh, climb up around the front of the cockpit and haul the anchor up. And... Uh, and pass the rope uh, back to somebody, or, or perhaps not if I'm fishing on my own. Uh, you've got uh, a little bow hatch there, is there any other uh, problems, like today was, it's a bit lumpy and uh, we were out deeper and you want to run the boat up into the sea a bit, you know, obviously take the slack up before you start pulling up by hand. Uh, any problems with that? No waves going to take over the front and go down the, the, the cockpit area?
1: Um, it's not happened to me yet. Uh, what I will say, I, I've not used my ordinary ring yet. I've got one, and I, but I've not yet actually used it yet. I've, I've done all my um, pulling up by, by hand. Um, I'm not as young as I once was, so it's becoming harder and harder to do that. And it can be, it, it can be seriously difficult on your own, because you're putting you, 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 the weight of the boat, um, against that tide. With no help, obviously you've got two people on. You can, uh, as, as you just said, Graham. You can, the person operating the boat can take up the slack. But no, I, I haven't felt any. I, I've never had a wave come. You know, it, the bow will dip me down quite a bit sometimes if it's a real sl- sl- sloppy sea. But I've not had any problems with uh, anything coming over the bow and into that uh, hatch. And, and, I, and I say I've, I've done this for six years and. But you, you've got to be uh, sensible when you go out. Clearly, you don't go out in, in bad seas. But there, there always is that time when you go out. It was okay when you went out, and it's, it turns sloppy. So, but as I've said, no, no, it's that they don't actually. Wilsons don't come with that um, hatch cut out. So, I actually cut that out myself. And uh, the, the, the the reinforcement's there for it. It's not the largest hatch you can put on there. I must admit, but you can get a five kilogram Bruce in there. So, so it's okay in that respect. But I had
0: to put that in myself. What other stuff you got on the boat here. I see you've got some nice uh, stainless rod holders and you've had a light. Tell me about those, you know, what do you uh, use that light for, etc? Yeah, just a few bits and pieces really, make your fishing a little easier. I've, got, I've put in a,
1: the, um, I'm not sure what you would call those rod holders. I've obviously got the inset ones at the back here, which are very, very nice. I've got a couple on my uh, rod, my rails, which, which I can move around. Um, it just means I can fish four rods out and generally keep them keep the lines away from each other, which is which is nice. Um, the light the light I put in very recently. Excuse me, somebody's uh, one of my friends out fishing. He may well have uh, caught something good. Hello, mate. No, um, uh, had a, as I say, that that cod came in literally within two minutes of dropping the, the bait down. It was mad. Um, since then, we've had... Hang on, where are you then, mate? You're on Bullocks? Right, I'm just trying to look and see which one you are. Wait, right, so let's look... there's, look at this, one, two, three, four... One. Yeah, yeah, got oh, gotcha, yeah, yeah, well, basically, we're, we're north of them by about... Well, no about two miles north of them,
0: mate. Just while Wayne's talking here, i tell you that uh, there's one, two, three, four, five, six other charter boats and private boats that, uh, well, we can see are obviously on what they consider to be the mark, but fortunately they're not on Wayne's mark. So, um, just because to show they do sort of tend to follow each other around a bit like sheep, but um, I've got a bike going, so uh, while Wayne's on the phone to his friend, I think they've had three double-figure cod, um, I'm going to check this bite out when we get back. Okay, Wayne's just checked with his uh, friends, they've both come in because it's a bit choppy out on the Overfalls area, and the Spoils Ground, one of them's had, uh, I think, two or three uh, double-figure cod, so they are about, a little bit early, about another month. Um, Wayne, just going back to those Wilson boats again, uh, something uh, you mentioned about grab rails and stuff like that you changed, Uh, what was that about? Yeah. To be fair, there are a lot of things to knock
1: Wilson's for. Um, yeah, you know, Wilson in particular, because he can be, you know, a very awkward man to talk to. He won't budge on anything. Um, and and some of i say some of the finish is, isn't as as great as it could be. Uh, but that said, they they are a, a really really reasonably priced boat, and and they are I like them. They 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 get you out fishing. They really do. Um, one thing I, I would check, as well as the windows, um, are the washers that all the stainless is held on by. You'll find that a lot of your grab rails, the washer is, uh, is only the same size as the nut. Obviously, if it's something you're putting your full weight on occasionally when the boat swings over, I don't fancy you know risking that, so I've replaced all the washers with the biggest ones I could get, and those load spreaders. Um, just makes me feel a lot more confident when I'm putting my 16 stone of weight over the side of the boat, if I'm on my own. Um, so that's one thing uh, bits and pieces as well that I've put on here batteries, I'll, I'll, I'll put a, a twin battery setup on here, I think that's uh, just a wise move um, all around that because in case you ever do have a battery failure you've always got that as backup, we have got the uh, the, uh, the switch on it, the isolation switch piece of cake, I mean I'm no uh, whiz kid when it comes to electronics but you know, got, I, I went on the net, I looked at, got a few a few bits and bobs of the net and a few ideas. It's a piece of cake, really, twelve volt Electronics, it, you know, as long as you know what, you, what you're doing and if you're doing it right. As I say, I've strapped to two nice boxes down there. Um, <coughs> both got nice uh, uh, big leisure batteries on them, giving good cranking amps. They're good. They, they basically run the, all my electrics. I've got a, a Garmin fish finder and a, a GPS. I'll, I'll take a backup. Handheld GPS as well, which I think is a good idea. The fixed ones, um, fixed. Uh, I've got a link to my radio, DSC radio. So if you need to, if you ever did get into trouble, one one push of that button will give uh, the coordinates and a mayday call straight away. So, so that's I think a very useful bit of kit. Um, I've fired a couple of, uh, as I say, rod holders on. I put a, uh, one on the back, which is one for transporting the rods which is uh, which is nice, I mean a lot of people I think they're worried they're going to jump out but uh, I mean I've been in some bouncy old seas and they, they don't go anywhere, they, they're good as gold so makes carrying your
0: rods uh, a lot easier. Ryan I know uh, last time I was out with you uh, you are pretty fastidious washing everything down because you want to obviously keep the boat in good condition, uh, what method do you use for flushing the engine, do you yeah, uh, you know, use one of those hose pipes straight on the engine that flushes it, or do you use those uh, they call them mufflers at the bottom?
1: Yeah, I've got mufflers on mine. Um, in my boatyard you're always uh, pretty close to a water point, so a, a normal 30 metre hose. And it's something I do religiously. I've never not flushed that engine out. I just think it's um, it's silly paying sort of five and a half grand for an engine or, and more. And, and not, uh, you know, not flushing that salt water out. I mean, it's the salt water that is, the, the, it's a killer. Everyone knows it. it. It's it's a real corrosive on anything you like. So, you imagine the inside of that engine. It's, uh, it's it's not good, and it needs flushing out. So, uh, yeah, just just muffs on that. There is a, probably a point on it that I could plug a a, 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 um, a hose straight into, but the, the muffs are fine. I mean, they're as old as this boat,
0: six years old. There's still no sign of them deteriorating or anything. So. Uh, Wayne, what's the sort of uh, better fish you've caught on this boat, you know? I know uh, you're still learning marks, so obviously it's easy to go traipsing around following the charter boats but you like doing your own thing and discovering, pioneering if you like, some new marks here. What sort of uh, fish have you had and species and, and you know, size-wise what have you come up with?
1: Okay, um, right, well I've, I've had uh, a green touching five pound, um, that was uh, in the first season, which is uh, a very nice fish. Um, we've had uh, 20 pound plus smooth hounds, had a, a thornback of about 17, undulate of around the same. Personally, I've only had a blonde of. Um, I, I haven't had a big blonde ray my, uh, myself on here, but my, my friends had a couple of 20 pound plus fish, and I, I've lost a few that I found were bigger than that, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, just trying to think of what else. Um, I've never uh, old conga, yeah, the say, the, the, the I, 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 I didn't bring it aboard. And to be fair, the, the largest one, actually, I, I didn't get him up before he snapped me off. But um, the, other, the other ones I T-barred off, They were—they were, they were the, 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 a couple of those were, were certainly 40-pound, one probably a 50-pound fish. Bass, I've never had a, never really, I'm not a bass fisherman. Um, I don't really target them. I think the biggest bass we've had on here has probably been about 5 pounds, which is uh, it's not, it's not great shakes by a lot of people's standards. Um, but as I say, I don't target them. They usually come up as, a, as a, just a bycatch. Uh about a five pound spotted ray. Probably, no, but be bigger now, that, the other one was near a six pound I think, thinking back. So yeah, yeah, I think reason reasonable fish. Nothing um Nothing record breaking, but certainly some, uh, s- some nice specimens. Uh,
0: you base your boat, you don't uh, trade it much, you keep it down is the Eastney, what they call it Eastney uh, Cruising. Cruising Association, I think it is. Uh, just tell us about the yard and what sort of facilities people would get, should they want to leave a boat in one of these yards. I mean, I trail mine and it can be a bit of a nightmare, parking, hitching up, at least you can get yours in the compound and uh, go home at night. So uh, you know, what's the breakdown on that sort of situation?
1: Okay, well, my mate had his the, uh the yeah, ECA, basically, as you say, East Knee Cruising Association. Um, it's It's been established for uh, quite a few years now. Uh, they've got two slipways with um, electric winches on them, and they're all tidal. So you're straight into Langston Harbour, um, and, and that is that is a, is a godsend, really, because you, you're not reliant on the tide. You can go back and, and, and set out whenever you like. Um, they've got a workshop. In, the, in there, they've got a, a very nice clubhouse and a bar, um, which has just been, they've just spent 30 grand in there on, on new lighting and new carpeting. Uh, I'd rather they spent it on the slipway and the winches and the tractors, but there you go. But yes, it's a big, it's, I I'm, don't know exactly how many boats we've got, but it's, well, it's, it's a pretty substantial club we have. Um, and in general, it, it's very, very good because it's uh, you've got security there. There's two uh, two gates there with um with the with the uh, uh, swipe cards to get in. But there's a night watchman, so there's a full term, full time night watchman there, which is which again for security purposes does make you feel uh, a lot better knowing that someone is about. And he is good; he's a good fella as well. Because a few times I've been there early hours in the morning, and he's he, he knows you're there, so he's nice not he's not asleep anyway on the job. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah, in in all, I've a few little gripes um, with with the way that uh, some of the money's spent because the majority of boats in in that yard are uh, probably I'd say between fifteen and 20, 20 foot boats, and they they are on trailers, and it's the slips and the winches that are really are the lifeblood of that club. Um, and and at the moment, there's just you know, I just feel that there, there's a bit of they could they could be upgraded and looked after and, and and done up a little bit better than they are, rather than the clubhouse. Because as I say, thirty grand on new carpet and lighting, and there was absolutely nothing wrong with the old carpets and lights. Uh, I just felt it was a little rich when they should have been spending it on the slips. But that's just a little bugbear of mine. In all, the club is is great, and uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of sound people in there, and and the, and the prices actually. I mean, for for my seventy, I've got twenty foot space in there. It's about, about two hundred seventy pound a year. Now, if you if you you know compare that with uh, some of the marinas and, and and places like that, they they you get a lot less for your money, and you're
0: paying an enormous amount more. It's something like about I think I think it was uh, Brian Wilson told we he was trying to get into. I think it was one of the marinas, North you near know, somewhere. It was about two thousand pounds just to moor it there. Was it?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, my friend had a 14-foot little little dory thing, and uh, it was costing him twelve hundred quid a year just to uh, keep it on on one of the pontoons there. And bearing in mind you've got no workshop facilities, uh, you're bound by the tide um, for getting in and out of the, of the place. Um, and even if you want to go there and, uh, and keep, because there is a, a compound there with a slip in it, again, a tidal slip mine, uh, no winch on it, so you need your own vehicle to go down there. And I think to use that, you're talking about uh, £1,000, around about that mark. Um, now, if you compare the two, you've also got a, a hike around the harbour to get out, you know, even, to, even out into the, the open sea from there. You know, you, I don't think you can go wrong where we are. We're right in the neck of Langston Harbour. And basically you, you've
0: been you've, twenty minutes, you can be fishing you know an 80 foot of water or on, on all sorts of marks. Well, Wayne has been uh, quite an insight um, fishing with you. I'm sure it's not over. We've got another hour hour and a half to go here. Uh, fingers crossed, um, we lost a couple of good fish, but uh, that one big cod's made uh, my day certainly, so it's come from your mark. I look forward to coming with you again and uh, hopefully we'll get that blom-ray out of the way. Thanks to Wayne Comman.